everyone, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Allie Knows Best. I'm your host, Allie Nagel. Today, I had the incredible opportunity to speak with Rhonda Richards-Smith. She's an award-winning licensed psychotherapist and relationship expert. In this episode, we talk about her journey to becoming a therapist before therapy was really mainstream back in the early 2000s, and how she developed her practice that's rooted in wellness and developing healthy relationships. We also talk about what dating post-pandemic is going to look like and the importance of getting clear on what you're looking for in a partner. We also call out common dating mistakes and she describes the gaming effect that we get with dating apps where we're so addicted to keep on swiping to find someone new. And one of my personal favorite topics we touch on is how toxic forcing perfectionism on social media can be in all aspects and how often the lines between reality and what we're posting can be blurred. There is so much valuable information in this episode. I think you all are really going to love it. Let's dive in. Welcome, Rhonda. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, so let's jump into it. I mean, my podcast is all, all of course called Ally Knows Best and it's a show where I talk about things that maybe I don't know the best about but so I bring people on like yourself who do know best <laughs> in their perspective field. So I really want to hear like more about your background and how you got into the work that you're doing because it seems like such a unique path. It's a very unique path. So, um, you know, I went to school to become a therapist. So I graduated in 2004 from UCLA from the School of Public Affairs. Um, and so I knew I wanted to focus on helping people work through any issues that they were having. And so I started out with a traditional therapy practice. So working with individuals that are coping with um, issues related to anxiety or depression, um, however, one of the things that was really common that I noticed across the board was issues with relationships. And that's kind of where I got my start. I found that people could make a lot of progress in their own lives and healing from trauma and really difficult situations. But if they did not do the necessary healing with regard to their partnerships and connections with other people, sometimes it was almost like they were running in place. Um, and so that's why I decided to focus my practice more specifically on wellness and healthy relationships. Amazing. Wow. And I think about the time that you started this work, like in the early 2000s, we weren't really talking about healing trauma. Not common at all. Not very common at all. Definitely not. Yeah. And therapy even was still kind of like taboo. I hate even saying that now because like I'm a huge, huge proponent of therapy, but wow. What was that like getting into that industry too? 
I mean, I think, you know, when I first started, it was, everyone was kind of like, what are you doing? <laughs> People were kind of trying to figure, why, why are you focusing on this? And again, I, the reason why I focused on it was just because the clients that were coming to see me, those were the issues that they came to me with again and again and again. And so I just kind of um, used that as the motivation to focus my practice in that way. But it definitely was not common. Um, I worked a lot with Match at the beginning of my career as a dating expert as well. And again, as a therapist, that wasn't very common at the time either. It's more common now. Um, but at the time when I was working with them for the beginning of my career, again, that was also very unique and kind of different and unusual. But it made sense. It made sense. Wow. Yeah. And I think about, I mean, just I was browsing your social media earlier and even a dear friend of both of ours, Audrey, connected us on Twitter, which is awesome. I Hi, love Audrey. <laughs> yeah, hey girl. I love when we like the opportunity that these platforms afford us to connect in this way where, you know, we probably wouldn't have met in person, but I, I put it out there in the universe that I was looking for a dating and relationship expert and we'll get more into that. And then, you know, you just came right in my, my Twitter. Oh, here I am. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So yeah, I really want to talk about, um, I mean, there's two sides to obviously what's happening with dating and relationships right now. There's the people like myself who've been single for God knows how long, right? <laughs> and then there's people who were really put to the test with their relationships during lockdown because they had to spend more time with their partners than they probably ever had. Than right? they ever anticipated. Absolutely. Yep. So, yeah, I want to start, I mean, just because this is my podcast, I want to talk about, yeah, getting back into dating, you know, after being vaccinated, regardless of how all, li everyone listening feels about that, but things being open, we're not having to wear masks anymore, we can talk to strangers, we're not solely behind our screens and it's a weird feeling <laughs> it's definitely a weird feeling and it's going to take some time you know i mean i think it, i think it's an exciting time especially you know i'm in california so things are really finally kind of starting to open up for us which is really exciting but i also think it's going to take some time there's going to be a transition period because just because things are open it doesn't necessarily mean that you'll be comfortable immediately to just jump back out there and meet people in person especially meeting strangers that 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 still may be a little bit of a process. So I think that everyone's going to have to be really patient with themselves and really checking in and making sure that you are not um, forcing things sooner than what you're really ready for. Um, and just take your time and try to kind of ease in and, and have fun with it. That's great advice. I mean, I really want to talk about like the comfortability piece because I even found myself, I was out having dinner with a girlfriend last week and we forgot that, you know, the restaurant turns into a bar scene at night because we haven't been out like that in so dang long. And You're like, what's going on? It's like, <laughs> like 10 p.m. What? You know, there's like 100 people coming in and yeah. no one's wearing a mask. Like everyone's interacting. And it was almost like shocking. And I'm an extrovert, but... It was kind of like, okay, time to go home. It's a lie. Yep. 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 And that's totally fine. And that's totally okay. You know, I think baby steps, you know, like exposing yourself a little bit at a time, you definitely don't have to throw yourself out there um, immediately just because that's what other people might be doing. You have to really check in and say like, okay, maybe you do did 30 minutes of that and that was cool and you're 
ready to make your way. That's fine. <laughs> That's okay too. Yeah, I like that idea of like timing yourself. You're like, okay, I did that outing. I get yeah. a for that. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, it's going to be a process. It's going to be a process for all of us. Yeah, I mean, as far as like just even thinking about like, okay, where do I meet like-minded people? Because I've heard from so many experts, they'll say like, oh, you know, just doing whatever it is that you already love. And maybe that's not necessarily like going out to a bar or a club. But I think about even if I were at like my workout class or a gym, I don't know if I'd want to be like approached right now. <laughs> well, I think, but I, but I think it's great advice though. I think, you yeah. know, the, the idea of you doing things that you love, I think when you're in that really comfortable space where you enjoy what you do, that's kind of like, you're almost expressing the best version of yourself, the truest version of who you are. And so if there's some attraction that happens in that moment, I think people have had a lot of success with that because your walls are down. You know, if you, if you don't want to go to like a stuffy dinner that's super fancy and you're like, you know, wearing an uncomfortable dress or heels that aren't totally comfortable, um, you know, sometimes that can really be a challenge in dating. So I think the more that we can create an environment where we're comfortable and then when we're comfortable, really seeing who we connect with, um, the connections are going to be stronger. I think it will be able to set a more solid foundation um, and it'll be more authentic because you're being authentically you. Oh, I love that. Okay. Yeah. You're already in your flow and you are like expressing yourself and your fullest version. And you don't feel the pressure, you know, sometimes yeah. when you're in your unusual situation, you feel like you have to force something or mm-hmm. you have to be something that you're not. So the more you can make yourself comfortable, the better. Ooh, okay. Great. So I do want to talk about because you have this great post on your Instagram, which you all, if you are, you aren't following Rhonda, she has great <laughs> posts and resources on social media. We'll share her links later on in the episode. But you talk about common dating mistakes. And I love this tidbit where you say, stay focused on your needs and desires in a healthy romantic relationship versus what others think you need. So could you elaborate more on that? I think that's probably one of the biggest mistakes that I see in dating and relationships. And I mean, even going further down the line, if you decide to stay with someone long term and get married, um, other people's opinions can really have a strong impact on our thoughts and on our behaviors. And especially when you're in the dating process, it can be easy to get caught up in maybe what your mom thinks, like what your mom thinks about your relationship or, you know, the kind of person that you should be with, or, you know, maybe if your friends are very judgmental or, you know, you don't want to date anybody like that, you can, you can start to feel the pressure and you can kind of start to narrow your dating life based on what it is that they think you should want or who they visualize you being with. Um, And so it can be very tricky because sometimes they can steer you in the wrong direction and you end up in relationships that, you know, if you were really guiding and steering the ship, you would never be in to begin with. And on top of that, when you do that, what I find when I'm working with clients, sometimes there's some self-sabotage that comes into play with the relationship because you didn't really want to be in the relationship to begin with with this person, but it felt like you should, or it felt like people often say this person's good on paper. So I, let's, I feel like I should like him or, or her. Um, and so again, we kind of give into some of that pressure and we get messages from everywhere, from media, social media, friends, family, everyone. It can be tough to even sort out what your beliefs are, what your desires are in a relationship versus what everyone else is telling you that you should want. 
or that you should think or seek out. So it's really important that you stop to take the time to figure out what it is exactly that you want for yourself so that when you're getting those other messages, you're not swayed because you know exactly what you want. You know where you're going. Mm -hmm. And what do you recommend doing? Should we list things out or like have a mental list or is it more powerful to like write it down as kind of like a manifestation process almost or something like that? I'm a big fan of writing things down. Um, And I'll tell you why. I think number one, you get really clear because when things are going on in your head, sometimes it's, it's, again, it's hard to sort out, well, what am I thinking? Well, I kind of want this. When, When you write it down on paper, you're forced to be really clear about exactly what it is that you're saying that you want. And sometimes when you write it down, things may not necessarily match up. You can write something down and go, oh, do I really want that? It feels a little more final. So you want to be sure and clear about what it is that you want. Um, that's really important. But you also want to be sure that you have some flexibility around some of those things. And so while you can write down certain qualities or things that you're looking for, it's also important to focus on how you feel, how you want to feel in a relationship, and what you want your lifestyle to look like. So for example, sometimes I work with clients and they'll say, oh, I, you know, I want to date someone in this particular field, for example, for work. I, I prefer them to have this job or that. And so sometimes we can give into some of those fantasies without understanding what that means long-term lifestyle-wise. So for example, if you say, I'm, you know, I'm just dying to date a doctor. I, you know, that's been my dream. Mm-hmm. I have to, I have to date a physician for, for whatever reason. Fine. Um, but sometimes we're not really giving much thought around what that lifestyle looks like and whether or not that's actually compatible with the kind of life that you want to live. Will this person be available when you'd like them to be? Do they travel a lot or not? Um, and so you, you also want to take it a next, uh, the next step further once you make that list and really figure out, is that in line? Are those desires in line with the kind of lifestyle that you want to live or not? Wow, that's really powerful. And I've never framed it in that way. Because we always, I mean, our like society, especially, we really put so much value on careers and income. And I, this actually leads me to my next question because I'm guilty of it. My friends accuse me of it, but of dating, (laughs) I'm owning it. Okay. Own it. I love it. I love it. I I date down and um, I had a therapist at one point. I want to say, gosh, like five years ago, who wrote a book about it. And she was really trying to push that. That was like her whole thing was like, you know, Allie, why are you dating down? And so, I mean, how do you advise clients on that or people you work with? Because I know it's something I have to heal within myself and it's a self, you know, self-worth and value thing. But it's also, I see these people who I'm like, wow, you know, they're artsy and creative and I, I'm really drawn to that. But then that's distracting me from everything behind the scenes. That's a whole mess. Everything that comes with that, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I think number one, kind of going back to what I was saying earlier, when it comes to dating down, I think it's important to really be clear with what that means for you. Because dating down for me might be different than it is for you. It might be different for your friends. So so I think it's important to be clear, first of all, like, what does it mean when you're saying to date down? Now, if you're talking about maybe dating individuals that are what we call like kind of like projects, like people that need a lot from you, they need a lot of support, they need you to kind of help push them along. 
Um, I think it's definitely important to look into that and heal from some of the things that maybe have happened in the past that have kind of led you to, to draw those kind of people into your life. Um, because at the end of the day, you know, in a relationship, it takes two, right? And so you, you've, you've got to come together equally to some extent. And when you have one person that's doing all the work in a relationship, um, when you have one person that's doing all the pushing and all the motivating, and you know, if all that energy and that time is kind of flowing in one direction, that's never good for any relationship, whether it's romantic or not. Um, you want you want the relationship to be mutual. So you want to be sure that you're getting something from the relationship as well. It's not just one sided and your partner's, you know, living their best life. Right. And then you're getting like drained of all your time and energy and, and you're completely depleted. Um, in my opinion, I wouldn't define that as a healthy relationship. So you want it to be mutual. And, and again, for some people, they may perceive it as dating down, but depending on the relationship, if it's mutual and you're getting what you need and they're getting what they need and you guys work well together and it's healthy and you're both happy, mm-hmm. I don't consider that to be dating down. Okay. I love that because I feel like there's, you know, there's such a popular trend, especially with, you know, being a woman entrepreneur and stuff that saying, oh, you shouldn't be dating men, for example, who aren't making the same income threshold as you or more. And I know that's like a deep rooted thing in the patriarchy, patriarchal society we live in. But I mean, I just think about that. And then it's like, well, what if you have this beautiful soul connection with someone? Yes, those things matter. And obviously, I'm a romantic. So (laughs) I get it. No, and it's, 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 it's easy to get stuck you know, in terms of like income and wanting someone to make a certain amount of money. Yeah. Um, but again, I think, I think we have to kind of think big picture and it's easy when we're dating to kind of be thinking in the moment, in the moment, in the moment, right? Like, okay, he's making this much today. I'm making this much today. She's mm-hmm. making this much today. I'm making this much today. It's easy to get caught up in what's happening currently, right? Without thinking long-term. Um, yeah. I work with clients who, who have, who are very successful in their own right whose partners are incredibly financially successful in their own right. Mm -hmm. Some are quite miserable. Some are quite miserable. And so while on the outside, it may look perfect and amazing. I mean, that's another thing too, is people can present their relationships in a way to where um, an outsider that has no inside information would be like, Oh my God, this is, this is the perfect relationship. This is the perfect situation. But on the inside, that may not be the case. Um, so I, I'm always kind of leery and just want to be mindful of that when we're talking about income, it can, it can sound great. Like we make this, you know, same amount of money and, and we're doing well and we're successful, but you're going to need a whole lot more than that. If you want to sustain the relationship long-term. Totally. And finances can always change. Mm -hmm. Someone could be making great money today. And I mean, we've seen it with the pandemic and we've seen it with other situations, the, the crash, you know, many years ago, like things can happen and things can change. And so if that individual loses that income, where does your relationship stand at that point? Yikes. Yeah. And I, I actually had a great conversation with my friend Candace. I'll have to connect you to. Yes. She's in, in LA as well. But um, yeah, we talked a lot about that. And then kind of even just being in dating in Los Angeles is tough. It's and I, tough. <laughs> because... There are, you know, so many beautiful young people who are successful or obtaining this level of success that we 
you know, we strive for. So you're like, oh, okay, well, I'm, I'm just going to go on this dating app and I'll find someone else to go on a date with if it's not working out with this person after like two dates. Um, so yeah, I'm seeing that a lot right now post pandemic. I mean, we're only like what weeks out, but <laughs> or with, with the, you know, it's interesting with the dating apps too, because what we found, there's been a lot of research that's been done. Match has actually done a lot of research too. Um, and so what we're finding, especially with dating apps and like with the pandemic kind of hopefully fingers crossed kind of coming to an end, um, there is an interesting gaming effect with apps that you kind of touched on a little bit in terms of kind of like, oh, I can find somebody else on the app or there's kind of an adrenaline rush and a boost that some folks get when they're using dating apps and meeting new people. Um, and so sometimes if you're finding a match online, it, there's almost a rush that, you know, of excitement that you get when that happens. Um, and so sometimes what people are searching for may not necessarily be a partner in that moment, but it may be kind of like chasing that rush again and again of meeting people and connecting and then wanting to connect with the next person. And so sometimes that's what you see when you have, you know, folks just going on a couple of dates and it's like, you know, let's start over again. Let's go back to the app and start over. Mm -hmm. It's like that quick dopamine hit. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It's a quick hit. Mm -hmm. And then that kind of leads into this, you know, you're having all these conversations with so many people on these apps and trying to be intentional about it and assuming, you know, that the people you're speaking with hopefully have like a similar <laughs> intentions. And then you kind of get to actually know them because we all, you know, we're all a different persona online than we are in person. Absolutely. And I've learned that really well working in social media for so long. It's like, oh, okay, wait, what's actually going on behind the scenes? Right. So, I mean, when you find yourself getting caught up and having those conversations and feeling like it's emotionally draining, and how do you recommend like you kind of create some boundaries there or even decide who gets access like to your time and energy too? Oh, it's really difficult with social media. You know, I always say I didn't grow up with social media. So I, you know, I feel, I feel for those that have kind of had to grow up with that and kind of navigate that blindly because, you know, the rest of us didn't experience that. Um, and so it is really difficult, but it is really important to set boundaries when it comes to social media. Just overall, I'm a big fan of that. Um, and I think the first step is really understanding, like I was mentioning before, sometimes we get so focused on presenting a particular persona. So again, with our relationships, I have an amazing relationship. You know, my marriage, there's nothing wrong in my marriage, right? Everything is fantastic. We get so caught up in presenting a particular image about ourselves, about our relationships, about our careers, everything. The unfortunate part of that is that we end up spending so much time and energy making things look a particular way versus putting in the time and energy to make sure that that's actually the case in real life. People are putting a lot of time and energy to making sure that their dating lives look amazing, that, you know, people are traveling and that, you know, there's so much of, there's so much pressure to make things look a particular way. And I would say just do everything that you can to set boundaries so that you never forget that you don't want your online life to replace your life in real life, right? Your actual authentic life. Um, you, you don't want to lose that. And 
you have to be careful because there will be different times when you're using social media where it's easy to slip into that. And it's easy to doubt yourself and to feel like, well, maybe I'm not enough. Maybe I'm not doing enough. Or if you're dating, feeling like, oh, I, I could never compete with this person or that person, or, you know, maybe this person would never date me, but that's not their real persona. As you mentioned, we all have an online persona that we're presenting. It's a snapshot, right? So maybe it's a piece of you, but it's definitely not all of you. And that's the case for all of us across the board. So it's important to keep that in mind and sometimes take breaks, take breaks from social media. And if there are accounts that kind of always leave you feeling depleted or maybe doubting yourself or leave you feeling less confident, you can unfollow. Very true. That's some sage advice. (laughs) You can just unfollow. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, because we are so inundated with social media and being on these apps and, you know, I'm generalizing here, but that does lead to ghosting because I think that, and I try to, you know, leave space for when I in the past have been ghosted or maybe I have been guilty of doing it too. I don't, I don't want to own that because, you know, we're trying to, it's 2021. I'm trying to heal (laughs) and be, you know, a full adult here, but like that does lead to the ghosting because people are so drained that they're like not coming and showing up fully as themselves and saying like, you know what, I'm not in a place to talk right now. And it's so hard to do that sometimes. It's really hard to do it, but it's really important, especially um, during the pandemic. I saw a lot of kind of ghosting happening um, in romantic relationships. I, I've seen you know individuals kind of breaking up in very kind of peculiar ways that maybe they wouldn't normally just because of everything that was happening with the pandemic and all the you know all the other issues that were going on. Um, and so, what I've always said, first of all, is while it can be really painful when you experience ghosting. The other side of that is you also never know what someone's going through. Mm-hmm. And that's hard. And that's hard. You know, I mean, we, I know we always want closure in relationships. We always want to be able to kind of have that final conversation. Like, Hey, if it's not working out fine, if we could just have kind of like a final, a final call or a final meetup just to kind of discuss it and have closure, that would be ideal. But there will be certain situations where you may get ghosted or you may be in a situation where you just, you just have nothing. You just literally have nothing else to give at that point. Um, and so to that, I say, I do think it's important as human beings for us to grant ourselves a little bit of grace and grant other people a little bit of grace, mm-hmm. um, especially given everything that's gone on recently. I know there are individuals that have struggled significantly, uh, maybe as of a year ago, and they're just now kind of coming back around to some of those relationships to kind of explain, like, this is what I was dealing with over the last year. I just didn't have the energy or Uh, maybe the courage to be able to explain to you fully what was happening. I didn't think I could articulate it properly. Um, And so I see some of that healing happening and some of that closure happening now that we're kind of toward the tail end of it, which is, which is good to see. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think we have to also acknowledge in in some cases we may not get that closure. So sometimes you have to kind of create that closure for yourself and, and move on. But it's really Ghosting is so, it's such a difficult topic, you know, and I think it's more nuanced and more complicated than we like to acknowledge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think there is also, you know, that rhetoric on social media where it's like, we're demonizing people when they do ghost. And then, like you mentioned, you know, we're trying to create, 
grace and space for people. So for, you know, who maybe are ghosted or have ghosted and know that like, we're all going through something collectively still. Absolutely. Into a a global pandemic, right? Yep. Yep. A A lot has happened over the last year and a half, you know. Now, again, you do have some that just ghost for fun or they ghost for kicks and it's, that's horrible, obviously. Right. Um, so you do have those situations as well, but I think for the vast majority of folks, there are typically some issues and other things that they haven't resolved. Um, and sometimes people just don't know how to end relationships Mm -hmm. across the board. And some people are so scared of confrontation or scared of hurting anyone, or they don't know what to say, or, you know, what if the other person cries and they just shy away from it altogether. Not to make an excuse, but that's something that I see happening with clients a lot as well. They just don't know how to end relationships. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that we don't talk about enough. You know, when we're younger, like when we're teenagers, that's something we should be talking about early on. How do you end a relationship? Wow, that's powerful. And even just how to process those emotions too. Yeah, it's loss. You know, all of it is loss and grief. It's all it's all part of the process. But um it takes time. It's a skill. Like it's a skill that you have to build to figure out how do you navigate that? Yeah. I've seen a lot of, I mean, keep coming back to social media, but a lot of influencers who've had like very public relationships and, you know, regardless of how you feel about that, um, I actually would be interested to hear what you have to say about people who do post everything about, (laughs) about their love life online. So I'll tell you my, my, my experience. I'll just tell you my experience. This is my perspective. Um, I, I I don't love, I don't love to see couples constantly posting about their relationships. Um, as a therapist, in many cases that can sometimes be a little bit of a red flag. And again, it depends again, in the age of social media, for some, there may be business arrangements. And so, you know, they, they may need to post pictures of each other for, for business reasons or whatever. I mean, that's the age of social media that we're in. So there will be some cases like that. Um, but I do think sometimes when there's such an emphasis on wanting to, again, post and present your relationship in a particular light, it can be really difficult to keep up with. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be really difficult when maybe you don't, you know, you're not really liking your partner at that any given moment. Maybe they upset you. Um, will you feel the pressure to continue to post anyway, which I see happening a lot when people are upset with their partner, but they will continue to post how amazing everything is great. Um, it's just not healthy. It's just not healthy when you're doing that and you're kind of forcing yourself to push that out again and again. It's, it's, it's incredibly unhealthy. And again, that's where Sometimes the lines get a little blurred with reality versus social media being so obsessed with presenting things in a positive light. Um, and so there's nothing wrong with posting about your relationship online. I, I post about my relationship on occasion. I think it's fine. Um, but I think you want to be sure, again, that you're not so focused on worrying about others' opinions, what they think about your relationship, seeking that admiration from other people. I think you just want to make sure that you you reserve some situations and some things just for yourself and for your partner. Just be, you know, you don't have to post on, on social media for it to have actually happened, to actually validate it. Sometimes you can keep some things for yourself and, and for your relationship. I think that that's really important. I love that. And I think that also, I mean, works for like your relationship for your, with yourself too. Absolutely. You don't, you don't have to post, you don't have to post everything. Even if it seems like everyone else is posting everything, which 
it, it may appear that they are. Um, <laughs> but just because they are, it doesn't mean you have to. You don't. Okay. So, I, yeah, I, I mean, I want to get into some of this kind of deeper stuff that I had, I had sent over prior to us recording. But so say that someone has never really seen an example of a healthy relationship in their own life. So that means, you know, their parents or whoever close to them has didn't model something, quote unquote, healthy. How do you learn to build on your own when I mean, sometimes you only have like, again, social media or movies or television to look up to. Where can people go to see these um, examples of healthy relationships or even, I mean, find people who are in them too? Sure. So I would say the first step is really to look within. And this is super, super important um, because you can be around people and think, okay, I think this is a healthy relationship. But again, at the end of the day, we never really know all of the details in terms of someone else's relationship, right? We only know what it is that they show us. And so the first step is really being clear with yourself on what you need in a relationship. So not, not looking or worrying, not looking at your parents, not looking at, you know, your friends, again, just really being centered and focused on what it is that you need in a relationship and being really open open because it can be tough and you can kind of feel like you need to fit within a certain box. But maybe this something that you're seeking in a relationship is something that maybe you've, you haven't seen anyone else seek out or pursue. So you want to be really clear within yourself first. Once you do that, you'll be able to pick up on different behaviors and things from other people that are around you. So maybe it's not family members, but maybe it's a coworker. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a, a friend of a friend, an acquaintance. Um, and maybe it is somebody online. Maybe there are elements of certain things that you see that you like, and you can piece that together and kind of create a plan for exactly what it is that you want for your relationship. Um, I think sometimes in childhood, our parents aren't perfect. Nobody's perfect. So maybe it wasn't your ideal healthy relationship, but that doesn't mean that you can't take pieces of certain things that you saw. There might be a piece of something that you say, well, that particular element is something that I would love to cultivate in my relationship. Maybe in childhood, you had a friend's friend's parents. Maybe you went over to their house and you were like, oh, I, I kind of like when they did this and that, or they mentioned that. I want to make sure that that's something that I incorporate in my relationship as well. So it's kind of like a quilt. You're just kind of putting everything together, meditating, figuring out what you want for yourself, and pulling in pieces here and there of little things that you find to make sure that you're kind of creating this masterpiece of exactly what you want your your relationship to look like and what you want it to feel like. Wow, I love the quilt analogy. Like that's such a beautiful thing to just even think of. I mean, we have our list, we have our quilt. <laughs> yeah, and a quilt isn't perfect, right? I mean, most quilts that you see, right, it's not like perfect, perfect straight lines. There are going to be challenges in any relationship. So I will say, you know, when you're making the list and you're kind of putting things together, it can be easy to focus on the need for everything to be perfect. Your partner, the reality is your partner will disappoint you at some point. If you're in a relationship and you're together for any amount of time, they're going to hurt your feelings probably. They're going to disappoint you. You're going to get frustrated with them. And all of that is normal. And so when we talk about social media and kind of dating online, I think sometimes we've, we've lost some of that understanding in relationships that it's, it's, it's not going to be perfect ever because no relationship is perfect. No one is perfect. Right. And so, um, we do have to have some tolerance for people making mistakes to some extent. Right. And again, 
person to person, that's going to vary in terms of what your absolute deal breakers are and certain things. But the reality is we all make mistakes in relationships. It's going to happen. We all get disappointed. Mm -hmm. Um, And so more than anything, it's just important that you acknowledge no relationship will be perfect, but you do kind of want to have an idea of what it is that you want to craft in the relationship, what you want to work on. That way, when you introduce a partner into your life, you can say, you know, does this person fit? Will they fit into the life that I'm creating for myself and for the relationship that I want to cultivate? And then when you work from that, when you're dating, it'll be so much easier to tease out and figure out, okay, you know, is this person I want to have a second or third date with, or are they on a totally different trajectory? It doesn't make them bad. It doesn't make them wrong. Um, And it doesn't really have to be a negative situation, but you want to be sure that you're dating in alignment with what your goals are and the lifestyle that you want to live. So, I mean, alternatively, I have several friends, dear friends who are in serious committed relationships. And I know that they're working to kind of take the next step of either moving in together or getting engaged or whatever, you know, those check marks that we have to cross off. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you have any advice for them like into moving into those next like really big stages that we put so much pressure on? We, we put we put a lot of pressure on it. And what I would say is just don't rush the process. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, don't rush into something if you're not ready. And I think that's really hard. And especially as women, there's so much pressure. Like when you reach a particular age, you should be doing this. You should be living together. You should be getting married or whatever it is. Um, and so I think it's important to acknowledge that some of those pressures aren't just coming from within ourselves or even within our smaller community, right? But it's society as a whole has kind of put these different pressures on us to, to achieve these certain markers, as you mentioned, in our relationships. Um, and so it's, it's just important to understand the nature of it so that we don't give in when we're not ready. So if you're, if you're not ready to move in yet, even though maybe you've been together five years, 10 years, 15 years, whatever it is, that's okay. That's okay. I think what's challenging is sometimes the judgment that we feel that we encounter when we don't kind of give into some of those pressures and just kind of go with the flow and go along with what others expect of us at any given time. And and I think it's tackling that judgment that's really kind of um, the big piece that we have to work on more closely. But just don't rush. Don't rush the process. And again, understand that there's no such thing as a perfect partnership a perfect marriage or a perfect situation. We're all just doing our best and trying to navigate. Things change. People change over time. So you just want to maintain your flexibility more than anything when you're with a partner long-term. And really be willing to communicate and hear them out. I think one of the biggest tips that I give in relationships with communication, people always talk about communication being really important, and it is. But what's even more important is vulnerability in relationships. Because if we're not able to be vulnerable with our partners in romantic situations, a lot of times, again, we're communicating with the facade. And sometimes we end up communicating lies or things that aren't necessarily true um, just to try to kind of keep up that facade of, of presenting ourselves in a particular way. So just staying vulnerable as best you can and being flexible and listening to your partner, not listening to respond, um, but just really listening to understand. It's really important. That's such a good tidbit there, listening to understand. And not being so reactionary, like, so like combative all the time too. Yeah. 
Yeah, not being combative. And I, what I always say is, you know, in relationships, sometimes I'm asked, you know, what's what's the best way for me to bring up if I have a particular issue? And I always say not when you're in the heat of the moment and you're super upset. Like what happens sometimes we get into arguments and it's like, oh, all these these three elements that I wanted to bring up, I'm going to bring them all up right now and I'm going to do rapid fire. Nobody can hear anybody. Your partner can't hear you. You can't hear them because you're trying to figure out how to respond. Like it's The timing is always horrible. So timing is everything. So if you do identify some particular issues in your relationship where you go like, mm, I'm not loving this. I think this is something we might need to talk about. Don't do it in the heat of the moment. Like give yourself a beat. And I know people love to say, don't go to bed angry. I know that's like a, a huge thing. And like, I get it. But sometimes you have to just kind of let things simmer, relax for a little bit, take a break and then revisit it and come back at a later time and say, okay, like, you know, are you good to kind of talk about this particular topic? I wanted to talk with you about it when, you know, cooler heads will prevail and you'll really be able to hear each other and make some progress. That's probably something everyone listening needs to hear right now. <laughs> I know I do. Thank you so much, Rhonda. This has been amazing. Thank you so much for having me. So much fun. Yeah. So where can people find you? Uh, are you currently taking clients? How can they work with you? Tell us all the things. Sure. So I do do some relationship coaching. So you can go to my website, which is rhondasmithlcsw.com. Um, and you can also follow me across all social media platforms at Rhonda Smith, LCSW. Um, I do do relationship coaching. I also do wellness coaching and speaking as well. So you can check out all the information there. Great. Thank you. And again, everyone, this is Allie Knows Best. See you next time.